Two years ago on Palm Sunday, I happened to be in London. I was visiting a friend who'd stayed on after a graduate degree at the University College London to work in photography. It had been some time since we'd last seen one another, and we had a late night talking together with the other artist types with whom she shared her flat. Some disbelief was expressed when I finally inflated the air mattress in the teeny living room and declared my intention to go to church the next morning. Thankfully, when I'd arrived that afternoon, I'd noticed an undistinguished parish church opposite her building, which, truth be told, might better be described as a tenement. We were far into East London. In fact, when you type in the district Mile End London into Google, the auto-suggestions are safety, restaurants, and crime, <laughs> in that order. <laughs> but as declared, I arose the next morning with even more difficulty than I'd anticipated because I awoke on the floor. It turned out the air mattress had a hole. And I dressed and I darted through that English weather which just hovers between mist and rain over to St. Paul's Old Ford across the street. When I entered the building, it was hardly the cavern I'd expected from its undistinguished Victorian exterior. Some renovation had taken place, but my attention was absorbed by all the people packed in. In the choir, African women in big headdresses sang alongside little old English ladies, all vigorously miming, I'm going to run to my Lord. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Children weaved among the congregation to their parents, and I could usually pick them out based on their ethnic attire well before their children found them and wrapped their arms around them. And we heard the same lesson we just heard this evening. And we gathered outside to process to the neighboring parish of St. Barnabas, with whom St. Paul's was sharing their Holy Week observances. Together, we followed the cross, singing songs like, I have decided to follow Jesus, and chanting, Hosanna, as we made our way through Old Ford. And as we wandered in procession through the streets that day, the weather was about the only thing that seemed traditionally English. It had since decided to rain, but there were all these little groceries with crates of fruit, and there were these shopkeepers, and they'd pop their heads out to regard our passing. And there were call shops and kebab stands and everything was in foreign languages. There wasn't much in English anywhere around. It could all have just as easily been in Calcutta as in Britain's capital. And on we went, pausing occasionally for youth from St. Paul's to read prayers or quotations from the scriptures. And I could hear, I could hear from their struggle to read the words despite their palpable desire, a world that once again regarded some as not in need of that skill, not in need of the skill of being able to read. And as I gazed about in the drizzle, 
wearing my blazer with its prep school buttons, as much an outsider as any other in that colorful procession, I felt that despite how rapidly the world changes, a procession of Jesus followers would always appear on the periphery and would be regarded by the world as outside the norm. Those processions of Jesus' followers may start on the margins, but we need only think of the Reformation or the way literacy correlates to Christian lands to see how such processions have transformed our world and can do so again. But no procession could equal the power of that remarkable entrance of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. Scripture tells us that those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And I think it's all too easy to think of people coming out and waving a palm frond at Jesus as if to check the box of some sort of obligation. But we hear from this passage that in their excitement, people went before and after Jesus, like children traveling alongside their favorite float in the parade as long as their parents will allow. And I wonder, I wonder if that's why Zechariah prophesied a king riding humbly on a donkey. Why Jesus chose a donkey for his ride. You can't always keep up with a horse. You can walk alongside a donkey even as it carries your burdens. And that's what those first disciples did although they couldn't know the extent to which he would take their burdens upon himself just then, in that moment. Today's passages from Mark tell us how that procession ended. And it's how the procession two years ago in Old Ford in London ended, when we arrived at St. Barnabas with Holy Communion, that memorial of our redemption, where we partake of the spiritual food and drink of Jesus' sacrifice. It's what we're about to do here with the celebration and commemoration of the events that assure us that in Jesus, we've more than a mere companion to walk beside but a savior whose fidelity to us extended to doing what we can't, paying the price for our sins, so that when this world passes away, we might remain by his side forever. Come along. The walk starts here in this life. Come along. Walk beside our Messiah. 
walk beside the burden carrier, that your life may follow that grand trajectory of the church on the move in this world, proceeding from the story of God's action into God's very presence. Amen.